You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Glory Days, part one of six. Enjoy. I'm just really more than excited this morning as I have my calendar in front of me each week and I'm seeking the Lord. I'm looking at the months ahead and the years ahead saying, God, show me what you want to do, what direction you want to go, and, uh, and what word you want to share, what you want to emphasize. And uh, I had an, uh, probably you know, a month or so ago, I had a, a, a number of things in my heart, and I got really excited. It became real clear to me this week that he wanted me to focus on his glory. And we're, we're, this might be the most important uh, series that we do this year. And it's called Glory Days. Glory Days. We're going to take six Sundays. This is message one of six. And uh, I was going to do four, and, and, and I believe the Lord said, no, extend it. Spend some more time on it. So uh, Glory Days. When I was uh, growing up, there was a song that came out on the radio called Glory Days. And uh, it was about people, uh, older people in their lives, looking back at their past and uh, thinking back to the, the good old days, what they called the glory days. And I remember as a kid growing up, hearing my grandparents talk about the good old days. And I understand what they're saying, and, and they're looking back. And you know, we, have all thi- we all have things in our lives we can look back on. And it's good to have those memories and, th- and to rehearse the victories that Christ has brought about in our lives. And you never want to let go of those things. But I want you to know that the days in front of you If your faith is in Christ, the days in front of you are infinitely brighter, infinitely greater than the days behind you. And the Christian life is not a life of past, it's a life of future. It's not a life of looking back, but a life of looking forward. And God has called us into this life of ever-increasing, this ever-increasing life. And, and the good things that we've had in our past, we're grateful for those, but we look forward knowing that what God has for us is infinitely greater. So let's talk about the glory of God, glory days. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you that you have given us your very own son and that he laid down his glory and came to earth as a baby and lived his life before you as a man. And he gave up his life that, you, that, that we could have you living inside of us. He gave up his glory that we could have your glory. And we thank you for all that your son Jesus did for us. And we rejoice that who you are is living strong in us today. Lord, let your glory manifest in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So glory days for us as followers of Christ, they're not a distant memory. It's not something in the past. And when we look to the word of God, when we look to the living word, Jesus Christ, and we look to the written word, we see, we learn who we are. And as we put our faith in who God says we are, his glory is manifest in our lives. God wants you personally to experience his glory. He wants to reveal himself to you and through you. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
And then we're going to talk about what glory is, because that's kind of a, a, a word that maybe we don't understand, or maybe it's a word that's um, something that doesn't have a whole lot of practical meaning to us, depending on what, what, what we know from the scriptures. But it's going to change today, and we're going to see the glory of God in our lives. So we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 18. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the believers in Corinth, to the saints in Corinth. You guys know what saints are? What are saints? Little statues you put on your shelf? No. That shocked me when I first read the Bible, and I, I saw him referring to believers as saints. I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean, saints? And then you learn what the word means. It's those who've been set apart through faith in Christ. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you are a saint. St. Gerard, right? St. Alan, absolutely. You are. That's, that's the Bible reality, right? We are saints. We're set apart. Different ones it can be translated at. Set apart for the glory of God. All right, so he's writing to the saints. That's you and me, right? Verse 1, 2 Corinthians 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? Have you ever needed a letter of recommendation or commendation? What is that? That's a letter written by someone who has authority to validate who you are or what you can do or what you've done, right? So he says in verse 2, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read of all men. In other words, what Christ has done in your life through our ministry, that's our letter of validation from God, from the Holy Spirit. Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink. Now, this isn't, this isn't done by man. This isn't a religious thing. It's not written with the ink of man's theology, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone. What's he referring to? What are, where were the tablets of stone? Old Testament, right? Mount Sinai. Yeah, this is not about that. This is written on tablets of human hearts. Verse 4, such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, a new testament, a new relationship between God and man. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. So the letter, even of the new covenant, look here, for the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. So the letter of the new covenant even kills. But the Spirit brings life. God is really not about religion, is he? So we're not about the letter. We're not about crossing every T and dotting every I. We're about the Spirit of the Word, okay? But if the ministry of death, what's he referring to again? What's the ministry of death? Tablets of stone, old covenant, Calls it the ministry of death. Wow. If the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones, Ten Commandments, right, came with glory, now, that was glorious, wasn't it? 
God appearing to Moses on a mountain, writing with his very own finger in tablets of stones, that's glorious, but it was the ministry of death. It came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation, that's another name for the old covenant. Ministry of death, ministry of condemnation, that's what it was. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, and much of what, not, uh, too much of what we've seen in the body of Christ in days gone by has been the ministry of condemnation. Telling people that they're sinners and telling people what they've done wrong and how they've fallen short. And there's glory in that because we need to realize that we've fallen short. And in many of the, uh, someone was just telling me yesterday on the canoe trip, one of the guys were going on the river, he's telling me about, he's from the town where, where Jonathan Edwards preached the, the famous sermon, uh, sermon uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. That's not the heart of God. I, I, I shouldn't say, I haven't read the whole sermon, but that whole, the title alone just, that's ministry of condemnation, ministry of death. Okay, We're not sinners in the hands of an angry God. God sent his son and put his anger on his son. See, So much of what has, has affected people's lives is that ministry of condemnation. They haven't come into the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of life in Christ Jesus. And it's much more glorious. Great revivals have taken place just on preaching condemnation. Great revivals. You know, not knocking those. But greater revivals will take place through the ministry of righteousness, through the ministry of the Spirit. So if the ministry, let's go to verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. Wow. So when he came down from his time alone with, with, with God, his face was glowing with the, with the glory of God, but it began to fade. He didn't want them to see that, so he covered his face. Verse 14, but their minds was, were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. So think about this veil. This veil Moses put over his face. Why? To hide what he was lacking. And isn't that what religion wants you to do? Put a veil over yourself to hide what's lacking in your life? But this veil of shame this veil of hiding behind something is removed in Christ. Isn't that awesome? But to this day, verse 15, whenever Moses is read, Old Covenant, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
Could it be that through faith in Christ, all shame is removed from our lives? Sure, even in the ministry of condemnation, in the book of Psalms says, those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Hmm. So this, this veil that, uh, that we've, man's religion and, and our own efforts of trying to hide our shortcomings, trying to hide our shame, knowing that we've fallen short, it's taken away in Christ. Our shame is taken away. Our condemnation is taken away. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Who do you see when you look in a mirror? Yourself, sure. Beholding as in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord. I thought we see ourselves when we look in a mirror. We do. The glory of the Lord's in you if you put your faith in Christ, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The Amplified in verse 18 says, we've been transformed. I don't think I have that on there. That's all right. I'm just going to read it. We've been being transformed into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor. And from one degree of glory to another. The New International Version says, transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. Now, in verse 7 through verse, uh, what was it, 18, the word glory is used 13 times in this translation. That's a lot of times. Glory is one of the most widely used words in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Well, what in the world does this word, word glory mean? It's an amazing word. It's a very powerful word. The first time the word glory appears in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 31. And it's talking about the wealth of Jacob. The wealth that he amassed. So the word glory, you can understand it by looking at how it's used. And what we don't want to do at Highway Church is think that glory is some religious term, that's something about going to heaven, that's something off in the distance that someday we'll experience. Nothing could be further from the truth. The glory of heaven obviously far surpasses this earth, but there is glory now that God wants you to experience in your kitchen, in your bathroom, in your basement in your living room, on your job. So glory, we see, it speaks of wealth in the Old Testament. It speaks of an abounding supply, abundant provision. It speaks of a, a great quantity. It speaks of power, strength, radiance, magnificence, brilliance. In fact, when, when Lazarus died, and his sister Martha came to Jesus, and Jesus had had her roll away the stone, and she didn't want to do it because of the stench. And he said, didn't I say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God, the glory of God, the resurrection power of God? So I want to give you a very simple 
definition of glory. And I want, I want glory to, to no more be something that's off in the distance to you, but is a practical reality to you when you're living your life wherever you go. And it's very simply this, the supernatural life of God. The supernatural essence and life of God. Everything that makes God God is his glory. And 2 Corinthians 3 teaches us that God wants us to experience more and more of his glory every day. More and more of his supernatural life and essence. More and more of everything that makes him God. Now, understand this. When we talk about glory, religion has put the glory of God behind a stained glass window. And they behold it from afar. And they're afraid to come near. As if God were a tyrant. Or, or God was angry. Or God was even insecure and afraid of losing his glory. That's what religion does. But I want you to know that God's not afraid of giving to you what he has. Because he's, he has an inexhaustible supply. See, you ever thought about that? If you had an inexhaustible supply of everything, what would you be, insecure or generous? Sure. I mean, if you've got a limited supply, then you've got to kind of ration that out, right? But if you've got a never-ending supply of wealth, of love, of power, of life, of brilliance, of radiance, of wisdom, of strength, man, you just want to pour that out. Do you know that everyone in the world could ask God to meet every one of their needs in every area of their life, all six and a half, seven billion people right now, and God could do it, and it wouldn't even begin to strain his resources. It would put no strain on him whatsoever. It wouldn't drain his resources at all. He's limitless. It's just a never-ending supply of life. He's the limitless one. And I like to think on that because sometimes we treat God as if he is limited. But he's not. All things are possible to him who believes. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So this limitless God wants us to experience his limitless supply in our lives. And that has everything to do with you in your kitchen. And I say kitchen, I'm talking about wherever you live. The glory of God, it's God's life. He wants you to find answers through him. He wants to reveal himself to you. To continually experience more of who he is. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, says this. Therefore, we have been buried with Christ through baptism into death. Now, this is written to the believers in Rome, the saints in Rome. Right? They've put their faith in Christ. So we've been buried with Christ through baptism into death. Why? So that as Christ was raised from the, from the dead, how was he raised? 
through the, look at it on the screen, through the glory of the Father. See, God's glory is something very, very tangible, something very relevant to what you're going through. God's glory is very relevant to your emotions, to whether or not you're joyful or depressed. See, God's glory is the answer to depression. God's glory is the answer to discouragement. A man is trying so hard to figure out depression and to medicate it and counsel it away. You can't. It comes from the glory of God. Here again, Highway Church, we're not religious. We don't want you to think of this religious kind of term. of Glory is the life of God in you. The life of God in you. If you will let the life of God in you flow, depression cannot stay. It cannot stay. It's the life of God in us. It's the glory of God. So Jesus himself was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father. That's the tangible, real-life power of God that death cannot stop. Ever-increasing glory. If you've ever tasted just an ounce of God's power, God says, I want you to experience more of that now. And tomorrow, I want you to experience more of that. Ever increasing. I want you to continually experience more of my life every day. I want you to continually taste more of who I am every day. I want you to go continually higher, continually deeper into who I am every day. Isn't that awesome? So, so Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father well, what, what does that have to do with us? Let's keep looking at the scripture. What's it say? So we too. What? He's putting us on the same level with Jesus? Yeah. That's what God does. Religion won't dare to do that, but God did. He seated us at his right hand. So we too might walk in newness of life. Now, wait a minute. We're talking about Jesus. We all know what he did as Christians, right? He went to the cross. He went into hell, received God's judgment upon him for three days. Can you imagine the power? He took the sins of every human being, the curse of sin itself, and all of the sickness and disease and the junk that goes with it just openly poured out on him. Can you imagine the power it would take to raise him up? All of God's wrath and judgment for all of humanity, for all of time, just buried him. And in one moment, God said, it's enough, and he raised him. That same power, that's the glory of God. And that same power is in us. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. So when we put our faith in Jesus, God's whole objective was that his life would flow through us, that we too would walk in the same life that Jesus walks in. This is great stuff. This is great stuff. And don't religify it. It has everything to do with your marriage, has everything to do with your family, everything to do with your work. The life of God flowing in you will provide answers and joy and strength that you need in every area of your life. So God expects us to be living this supernatural life. He expects us to, to be living this, this inexhaustible supply kind of life, this life where, where we're, we're connected with him and he's flowing through us and he's taking us higher. Look at John chapter 14, verse 23. Ever increasing glory. I love this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Look at that. 
and make our home with him. God is living in you. Do you believe that? The maker of heaven and earth is living inside of you if Jesus is your Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. When you confess Jesus as your Lord, the Holy Spirit, God himself, enters your body, makes your spirit brand new, and his address is now the same as yours. What would happen if when you are discouraged or frustrated in your kitchen and you reminded yourself that God lives in you? that God has given you the strength to do whatever you need to do, that God has abundantly supplied you with everything you need, and instead of trying to try harder and do more and look for some special plan or some 10 steps from some man, you looked right to God and said, God, thank you for your glory revealed in me, for who you are showing up big in my life. Thank you, Lord, that your glory in me is greater than any discouragement or frustration or worry or fear. Thank you for your glory showing up on my job. Thank you for your glory showing up in my car. Thank you for your glory showing up everywhere that I go. Thank you for your supernatural life flowing through me and providing me with what I need in every area of my life. The glory of God, ever increasing glory. So God sent his son Jesus so that you and I personally wherever we live and whatever we do, could, could know his glory, could experience his glory, could walk in his glory. Let's, stay in, let's go back to Romans, Romans chapter 5. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, ever increasing glory. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way to have peace with God. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction, this translation says, or our access, our entrance, by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Now, religion takes that phrase and says that's going to heaven. <laughs> Wrong answer. No. Let me read to the Amplified. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and giving a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Verse 2, through him also we have our access, our entrance, our introduction by faith into this grace, this state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. The word hope there in the New Testament and in a number of places speaks of a confident, earnest expectation. So we have a confident, earnest expectation of experiencing and enjoying the supernatural life of God in our lives right now, Amen. daily. 
Now, I, I did some studies, and for time's sake, I'm going to put it all together. This is the PJ translation, Pastor Joseph's translation, of uh, verses 1 and 2. Let me read it. I'll put it up on the screen there for you. Verse 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our entrance into this grace, this permanent state of God's favor. Permanent, it's 24-7, in which we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice and exalt in, look at this, our confident expectation of daily experiencing and enjoying the supernatural life of God. Does that help you at all? Get, let's get into this daily reality. Where we live, God's glory shows up. Where we live, not up on a mountain. Those days are over. God wants to show to you his supernatural life where you live, and all you've got to do is believe that. Do you qualify for the glory of God? I don't know. What do you think? Yes. I don't have to know anything about you to know that because I know about Jesus. And you qualify for God's glory to show up in your life because of your faith in Jesus Christ. God has qualified you through Christ. He's justified you. So when you wake up in the morning, let me ask you a question. Are, do you confidently expect to experience the glory of God in your day? We should. Let me say it this way. Do you confidently expect to experience God's life provision in every area of your life? Do you confidently expect God to guide you and direct you to give you the answers you need in your home, your business, wherever you're at? That's what God's desire is, that we would go through each day with a confident expectation, knowing that his glory, his supernatural life, which resides in us, has given us everything we could ever hope for and long for, that his inexhaustible supply is leading the way. So let's bring this to, to real life. Here I am uh, at home or where, somewhere uh, out shopping, doing something, going through my day, and, and I begin to get discouraged. I get a phone call from someone, and they, they, they give me some what might be, sound like bad news. Or maybe someone says something to me that, 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 that is discouraging to me, or someone insults me, or someone criticizes what I do, or uh, may come from my own family, might come from a relative, might come from someone in church even. And here I am, what does the glory of God have to do with insults? What does the glory of God have to do with discouragement? Everything. See, discouragement, the devil wants to, to drown out and try and quench the glory of God in your life. So if someone insults you, if bad news comes your way, right then and there, you've got to grab a hold of the glory of God. Say, God, thank you for who you are in me. Your supernatural life is in me. Your glory is in me. Who you are is growing in me. And who you are has provided an answer for this situation. I know what I need to do. I thank you that I have the answers that I need. I thank you that I have the wisdom that I need. I thank you that I have the love that I need. I have the strength that I need. I have the finances that I need to do and be all that you've made me to be because your glory's in me. So what we're trying to do is get glory from being something ethereal into a practical reality in our lives. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to do. There are so many 
terms from the Bible that are great terms that have become kind of religious to us. And as a result, they're of no effect in our lives. But the glory of God is tangible. It's real. It produces real results in your emotions. You won't need counseling if you'll let the glory of God show up in you. You won't need a life coach if you let the glory of God show up in you because it's God himself. He will be your life coach. He has the glory of God is your answer. The glory of God is your answer. It's not an ethereal, irrelevant thing. It's the life of God in you that's come about through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. So good. Boy, we're out of time. Okay, we're going to get deeper in this, and when we're done, we, we want to we just be so sure of God's life in us, so sure of his provision in our lives, because God does not want you to go through life discouraged. God does not want you to think of yourself as a failure. God doesn't want you to look at yourself as the so-and-so one or the, the one who just never measured up. You know, in every family, I had uh, one brother, two sisters, and, you know, there was favoritism placed on, on different children. And, and, and one was looked, considered to be the kind of the, the runt of the litter or something. You know what I mean? But there's none of that with God. Amen. There's none of that with God. You're not a mistake. Don't look at yourself that way. You have everything you need. God has a destiny for your life. And if you'll just let his glory, if you'll just look to him, he will give you the answers you need to be you. God, you're so good. Lord, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your supernatural life strong in us. Father, we receive your word this morning that you have called us to a life of ever-increasing you, of ever-increasing glory, that wherever we're at today, that this afternoon you want us to go higher and tonight even higher, and tomorrow higher than that. You want us to take us to new levels. You want to take us to new levels of who you are in our lives, that your supernatural life would flow in us. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you are reigning in our lives. In Jesus' name. And Father, right now, I, I pray uh, for us as we're going forward in your word these next few Sundays. Holy Spirit, flood the eyes of our heart with the light of Jesus Christ, that we would know that who you are, that your glory is the answer that we need in every area of our lives. When you show up, every problem is solved. Lord, that, that, that your people would no longer look to man for answers, wouldn't be searching the internet, calling on the phone, but would look to you, would receive revelation from you through faith in Christ to find the answers that they need to live the life you've made them to live. In Jesus' name, amen. God wants to reveal his glory to you and through you. At Highway Church, we want you to know that through faith in Jesus Christ, the supernatural life of God resides in you. Look to Jesus and let God take you to new levels in Him each and every day. Amen.